Have you ever asked yourself, am I a bad therapist? Well, you're in the right place. I'm Allie Joy, licensed professional counselor and board-certified art therapist. And I'm Katherine Escare, a clinical psychologist, and this is Am I a Bad Therapist? Join us each week for stories from behind the closed therapy door. You'll hear experiences that made us ask, am I a bad therapist? Including bloopers, jaw droppers, and other difficult moments that normalize the unique struggles of modern day therapists. This is a space with no experts, no gurus, and no hierarchies, just humans sitting in similar chairs. And while we're not the gatekeepers for good and bad therapy, because we're bad therapists too, we are here to shine a light on the difficult decisions therapists face on a daily basis and to normalize that mysterious gray area of clinical practice that no one wants to talk about. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place. Like Texas, you've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So today's episode, we have our guest, Vidi, who we are so incredibly grateful for her bringing this topic, which is a difficult topic that we don't talk about enough, which is if a client dies by suicide. So we have to commend her and thank her for her openness, her vulnerability, her honesty, just we are so grateful. Absolutely. And this is a topic that many of you have written to us and requested that we talk about. Because if you um, haven't experienced a client dying by suicide, you've definitely thought about it and all the fears and all the insecurities that come along with it. So we are so grateful for VD for showing up in a big way for all of us therapists around the world listening to this. And we are really excited to share it with you. And with that being said, if this is an episode that you want to pass over, we understand like that is okay. It is difficult. I know I listen to podcasts in my own self-care and sometimes I might skip an episode. So please check in with yourself, intentionally listen to this episode and be mindful for yourself. And again, if you listen to it, we are so happy you're with us. But if you skip us, we'll talk to you next week. Absolutely. And just a reminder that none of our episodes, including this one, are a substitute or a replacement for ethical guidance, clinical consultation, or therapy itself. All right. Well, this is episode number 39 of Am I a Bad Therapist? Let's get into it. Mm-hmm. 
Vidi, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So before we get into it with mm-hmm. your situation, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Of course. My name is Vidi Diana Rodriguez. Um, I go by Vidi. Um, I'm a Latinx licensed clinical social worker and also a Reiki practitioner. Um, so I deal with um, any Latinx individual um, in regards to their depression, their trauma, um, handle heavy emotions and individual therapy, but also if they're open to energy healing um, as a Reiki practitioner, um, I can also provide that modality. I'm a EMDR trained therapist. Um, so I deal with a lot of memories of our childhood that are really impacting our current life. Um, and I am a co-founder of Healing Connections, which is me hosting events to bring all different um, healing modalities to a space that a lot of individuals can come and participate and really get to know about themselves, how their body works, how their mind is working, and their soul um, needs more healing as well. So I am also a dog mom, and I live in Long Beach, California, and the beach is my serenity. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I love that you are multi-passionate mm-hmm. and you bringing together healers. That's incredible. Can mm-hmm. you tell us where we can find more about bringing healers together? What's your website? Yes. So amadtherapy.com um, is my website and you'll find there a little bit more on my landing page of what is Healing Connections. Our next event is coming up in March. Um, so I'm in the process of planning that and promotion and all of that good stuff so cool thank you for sharing we usually mm-hmm. save that to the end but i couldn't help mm-hmm. but ask healing <laughs> connections i couldn't agree more connections and relationships are so healing and we okay i'm gonna get off my soapbox <laughs> but all right vd tell us what made you wonder are you a bad therapist yes so i um when i came across that question um i really connected with um with the moment that i received a phone call when I was driving to work. Um, I received a phone call letting me know that I had one of my clients pass away. Um, And the first thought that always a therapist has in one of my worst nightmares um, came to light. Um, And I always would always tell myself, I don't ever want to experience this. I don't want to have to grieve one of my clients' um, loss due due to suicide. Um, And receiving that phone call and the moment of panic that I had, my body, my mind, um, my whole nervous system um, was going through a lot of different emotions, but a lot of intrusive thoughts, like what am I going to do? A lot of doubting myself my abilities as a therapist, is my career over, is um, a big question. And am I a bad therapist? Well, we, I first just want to say thank you for having the like the courage and the vulnerability to bring this story to the podcast. We welcome all stories, of course, and sometimes we have some humorous episodes and we have you know fun, but this topic is so important to talk about. It's heavy. It is emotional. Mm-hmm. And truly, we can't thank you enough because I know for myself, this is something that just I know I need to hear more. And I think a lot of clinicians who listen to the podcast are going to benefit so much from this story. So 
truly, I don't think we can say it enough. Like, thank you for bringing this here to us today. Of course. And I just have to echo that I am, I can relate to all of what you're, what you described experiencing. I had a client die by suicide while I was uh, an intern. Um, So, uh, and I didn't have any, I distinctly remember my supervisor say, calling her attorney and Mm -hmm. me overhearing her say, we just had an intern whose client died by suicide in the 40 years I've owned this practice, this hasn't happened. And to be so singled out and invalidated and the uh, imposter syndrome was running rampant. And so I'm so grateful that you are sharing, I should share more about my story later, but your story, um, because it's it's not talked about. It's it, mm-hmm. I would say it was one of my, still is one of my greatest fears professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, it, yet we don't we don't really have a forum or a place to talk about what that's like for clinicians when that happens, what actually the fallout looks like, and mm-hmm. what you what you go through afterwards, and how how we can come out the other side as an ethical uh, practicing clinician who who maybe didn't do anything wrong. So. So Vidi, tell us more about your relationship with this client. Lead us up to this point where you got this phone call. Yeah, so this client of mine, um, I was not even her therapist. So it was a puzzle. I was that piece of that puzzle that we are for our clients, mm-hmm. right? So um, she uh, she was an adolescent, um, and she was at one of the schools where I did school-based mental health for 10 years, um, and she was part of a high school. Um, and I had been seeing her already and I had an intimate relationship because we established that with her, with our, um, clients. Right. Um, so she had already known me for a year and a half. Um, and I've known her for a year and a half, um, drop in into my office on campus. And, uh, I had a relationship with her and trying to connect her to a therapist, um, and also with her parents at the moment, but, yeah, I I knew a lot of those like hidden fears of her and I mean all that information that our clients share in sessions um of plan intent and all of that, right? And the severity, the the severity of what um is disclosed to us in sessions. Um and So were you in multiple schools at that time or were you in just one school? I was at one school. Yeah, I was only at one school. And um, my role is really uh, to connect uh, families Mm -hmm. um, and adolescents to services, right? So um, Mm -hmm. I I had connected her already to a therapist um, and she probably had like two or three uh, sessions with her um, primary clinical therapist already, um, but there is a big stigma to mental health, and it took me a year to really connect her to someone, mm-hmm. um, and the understanding of mental health um, in our society, right? Um, the the likelihood that a family would connect an adolescent to services um, and really understanding um, what mental health is that it's it's 
it's not for crazy people that we all need some type of mental health service at some point of our lives. And the earlier, the better, because we tend to be very reactive and we need to be more proactive. Very well said. And I couldn't agree more to that. And and so it sounds like you were working with this particular client, not as an individual outpatient psychotherapist, but more in a case management role. Is that does that Correct. describe it well? For a year, over a year and a half, you were oh. working with this client, getting the client connected with services, probably mm-hmm. supporting the client emotionally mm-hmm. while they were still trying to get connected with services. And so this client had, you had successfully connected them with a outpatient therapist and then you get the call that the client died by suicide. Is that is that what happened? Yes. So I was driving to work and um, the call, the call was made and I was driving oh, and um, on my way to work, I received that call and um, I was asked to respond as a crisis responder um, at the moment. And I'm like, oh. what is the name of the student? What's the name of the client? Right. And I was like, oh. My heart just dropped. Yeah. So here you are asking to show up to support the other students who lost a peer. Yet you were the one working with this peer as a case manager. Yeah. Oh, wow. That puts you in a double role. Oh, yeah. But then um, I did reach out and I to my own supervisor and she understood and she was very supportive Um, and don't even go to the high school come to my office and Mm. let's debrief, let's talk, um, let's check in. So I think that I was under a supervisor that emotionally supported me, um, and physically supported me and helped me when I needed it. I mean, supervisors are worth their weight in gold when they're the good ones. (laughs) Oh yes. Oh yes. I'm so glad that you had a supportive supervisor. Um, so it sounds like the supervisor called you and said, come to come to my office and let's debrief. Tell us about what the rest of that day was like for you. So um, I she pretty much, because she knows me personally as well. She's, she was my supervisor, but also my friend. Mm-hmm. And she knows to the high standards that I hold myself. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing she told me was like, don't even go there. Don't even question yourself. Don't even ask yourself, did you do everything that you could have? Because she's like, I'm sure you did. Mm-hmm. She's like, I know that you did because I know you. I know you as a clinician. I know you as a person. And I know how you work. And I know the passion you put into your work. So, um, yeah, she held me. She held me and we were both crying. Um tears were flowing Mm -hmm. and it was much needed after that because she knows um my relationship with my family she's like go home she's like be with family I think you you need to get that support system um that you have in place for today and for the next couple days so I went home I um reach out to one of my sisters And I went home and I just connected with them. 
Like, I'm so happy that you did have a supervisor like that because I also worked in Mm -hmm. a school-based health center, as I've shared on the podcast before. And when big things happened in our school, I was also called upon as a crisis responder a lot of the time, which went outside of my role. And it really complicated things. And it was difficult to be in that position where you want to support, right? Of course. But you have a different role and things like that. So to have a supervisor who kind of had your back said, no, you're, you need to take care of yourself in that moment. I can't imagine how the story would have gone or how it would have felt for you if you had to go and be a crisis responder in that moment. So whoever the supervisor is like amazing, amazing, amazing. We don't always applaud supervisors and, but this one deserves (laughs) like that extra round of applause for that support because it's a lot of emotions. So you were able to be with your family. So special, so amazing. What happened next? Did you take some time for yourself for a couple of days? Did your supervisor, it sounds like they gave you that space to take care of yourself. Yeah. So that day I was with my family. Um, I also text my therapist and I asked her, um, Hey, I need to see you today. Do you have an availability open? Um, a spot open and I'm not one to do that. Um, I'm not one that's a person that like it, that will seek support right away. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it takes a lot, um, to get there. And, um, and I'm like, something happened and I really need to see you. Um, and she saw me that day and, um, I was able to have a session with her virtually and, uh, and she holds space for me that day. And that was just my own crisis response mm-hmm. with her. Um, and she's amazing. Um, and I'm still seeing her because I think it's super important as a therapist that we do our own work and that we have our own services as well. I, I also have to commend you because it's not like these amazing supportive people fell into your lap. Um mm-hmm. I bet that you probably had to cultivate this support system, maybe knowingly or unknowingly, for years in advance of this moment. And when this moment happened, that support was there. So a huge, huge, you know, kudos yeah. and and admiration to you for investing in your support systems yeah. well before you needed it. That I think is huge, especially in this situation, because I keep going back to what Ali said was, this could have been... Or your support, the, your um, processing of this could have been so much different had you not had these supports already in place. Oh, yeah. Um, I think I, me even reaching out to um, one of my friends and colleagues that she went through a very similar situation a, a year or two years before this. Um, and her situation was total opposite of mine. Mm -hmm. Um, So being able to go to another therapist and be having that, like, like we related to a very similar loss, right, of a client. Um, So I think that was also very uh, impactful for me, was very powerful for her and I to um, be with each other in those moments and her and her husband, um, really brought me in like the the next couple days after that and would call me and check in on me when I would like wake up in panic um thinking about like those thoughts right like did I document everything did I cover myself like all those questions that come to mind of like am I going to be sued um 
all those are normal (laughs) to to have when you have a situation um that's like legal and ethical um with a client i'm glad you brought that up on top of that (laughs) oh yeah like i mean and on top of that like I mean, my own grief, right? <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. Like, how was that for you? Like, or maybe when did those thoughts, or I'm sure they were all there at once, but like, how was it of trying to process your own grief, but then those more like, Fear. you know, ethical questions coming up, thinking what are the ramifications of this, thinking about your own documentation? Like, how did you manage that piece and how did that look for you? Oh, man, I really got I I had to take a step back and really look at everything I, cause I can be very organized. And a lot of people tell me that a lot of my coworkers tell me that like, you're really organized, you know what you're doing, you got things in place, you know where they're at. Um, and I mean, me reaching out for consultation for, um, the situation, right. Um, did I do everything I could at that moment? Did I cover myself with like these risk assessments that, um, we know, or that we, that we do, um, was that enough? Right. Like, um, I had to consult with a lawyer. I had to reach out to my malpractice insurance, um, and do that. Um, and yeah, uh, and just consult and my own grief. I just continued to reach out to a lot of therapists that I was able to just, um, be myself and be vulnerable with them and letting them know, like, today's going to be a hard day for me to be at work or taking more mental health days, um, and giving myself a lot of grace, um, grace, a lot of grace, um, along the way and, um, continuing to do my, my own EMDR, um, and therapy, um, as well. If you don't mind looping back, I think that that is probably when someone says a client dies by suicide and we're not, you know, if, if, if it's just a topic of conversation where, you know, instantly like there's a sadness, but I don't think we're flooded with grief when we're talking about it as a theoretical concept. But I do think even if we're talking about the theoretical concept of, of a client dying by suicide, I do think, <laughs> at least in my head, the innate thoughts, the instant thoughts, automatic thoughts that pop into my head are, oh, I'm going to get sued. I Mm -hmm. am in violation of, I I definitely committed malpractice. Um, Mm -hmm. So can you go back to those conversations you had with your attorney and malpractice providers? What did they say? What was that like? Well, I was working at a school district at that point, right? So um, it got a little complicated also because you work for school district, but at the same time, you are licensed, right? Mm -hmm. So... um, but you don't really use your license at a school district because it's not clinical, but you are assessing. <laughs> so it's a lot of gray, Ooh, right? Yeah. There's a lot of gray. Um, there's not a black and white. Um, so it was literally asking lawyers um, that were hired by the school district that um, have no idea what a licensed clinical social worker does, um, where I needed to educate them what my role and my title is, um, where I knew more than they did. Um, and to some extent I'm like, I'm lost here. Like who's on my side. And, and just, there's just a lot of overwhelming emotions at the moment. 
Um, and just going within myself and meditating a lot and continuing to reassure myself that, you know what, I did everything. I did everything um, and everything that I could have done at that moment. Um, and it's been a process for me to actually accept that and believe it a hundred percent. Um, because there's been a lot of narratives, um, that I've worked through. It's been a year and a half since then. So, um, those questions to the lawyer, I, I mean, they had a lot of questions for me, mm-hmm. but at the same time, they didn't really understand, um, what a mental health therapist, um, really by law what it is and what we're covered and what we're not covered right so it's super important that we know ourselves and we know the law and ethics um and making sure that we're we're doing the best we could ethically and legally to really support um our clients mental health and practices um i don't i just feel like societal rise a lot of a lot of um I don't know how to say this part. <laughs> um, a lot of like, I guess our role is just, it's still being understood by a lot of people, right? I could, I completely echo that. I'm in primary yeah. healthcare. And when I first joined, no one, no one in my entire thousand plus, I don't know, we have a, it's a large primary healthcare organization, thousand plus employees knew the difference between progress notes and psychotherapy notes. No one knew the difference. They kept telling me uh, my charts needed to be separate. A- anyway, I yeah. had to do a lot of education too. Yeah. And, and and to the fact that you had to be the one advocating and educating others while you're managing probably some pretty big fears and some and processing of grief, that puts you even in you know, a more stressful situation. Let's pause here for a quick ad break. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. So, Catherine, do you ever wish that you could just sometimes have a friend to talk to about a book? <laughs> Actually, Ellie, no. No, I can't relate to that. I've never never really wanted to talk to anyone about something I've read. 
However, I am really excited to meet all of our listeners because you all are invited to our first ever free public book club through the Teletherapist Network. I know. I am a bookworm, so maybe that is more niche to me and my interests, but this still is such an amazing opportunity for us to all connect as a community between the Teletherapist Network, our listeners here on Am I a Bad Therapist, and the book is amazing. We are reading Glow in the Effing Dark, Tara Schuster's highly anticipated second book after her first, Buy Yourself the Effing Lilies. If you haven't read Lilies yet, you need to pick it up. And we're going to read Glow together when it comes out at the end of February. So now is the time to register for free for our free public book club. We are going to be having a private community just for therapists to read and discuss Glow in the Effing Dark together. Together. And as a special treat, Tara Schuster herself is going to join us at the end of March for a private book club discussion with just us. Which is amazing. Like, this does not happen. I hope people can realize, no. like, she is such an incredible author. She's huge. Her books are amazing. And the fact that she's going to join the conversation, even if you've never joined a book club, never really wanted to, this is the one to pick up. This is the one to do. And Allie and I personally cannot wait to meet you inside. So register either in the links below or at teletherapistnetwork.com and we will follow up with more information closer to the community's launch at the beginning of March. Well, let's loop back to the show. Beatty, I can relate so much to what might have been or what I can imagine running through your head by what you described, the Mm -hmm. did I do everything? And I wonder Mm -hmm. if you could speak to, because I experienced, there's two different types of did I do everything? There's Mm -hmm. did I do everything legally, ethically, documentation-wise to protect myself and the client? Like did I do, if someone look, an outsider looks at this case, did I do everything I could have? Mm -hmm. But then there's this deeper level, did I really do everything I could for the client? Did I mm-hmm. show up the intangibles of the work we do? Did mm-hmm. I do everything? The things that you can't document, the things that are difficult to articulate, did I do them? Did can did any of that run through your head or how did you distinguish between the two did I do everything's? Yeah, I think it was it was really hard for me to really take a step back. I needed to take a step back and really look at like okay, facts, right? Also like um like legal wise, like consulting with the lawyer and like that, them being the outsider and me explaining to them, like specifically, this is what I did. And if they understood that and I'm like, okay, then I did everything I could. Um, but as therapists, obviously there's that emotional component mm-hmm. too. So me being tied up to that emotion and really checking in with myself, okay, I did everything I could. It's on paper. My consultations that I've done with um, my, my my malpractice insurance, um, with the lawyer um, that was hired as well um, through the district, um, consulting with other therapists, really visually looking at my paperwork. Um, I I was like I did I did everything I could. How was that knowing you did everything you could and the client still died by suicide? Oh man, I think that it's a process um, to really come to that 
I'm only a piece of a puzzle for these clients. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I can't take responsibility for what happens outside of sessions. Um, and being okay with whatever they're going to decide to do with their lives and um, me providing all the equipment or all the tools or all the insight, right? I think it's really understanding that our clients come to us also just to reflect a mirror to what's going on in their lives. But essentially, they they have the self-determination to take whatever they're learning in therapy to implement it and change their lives. Couldn't agree more. It's that it's I like what you said, the self-determination. And in my head, I think autonomy mm-hmm. that I I can show up every mm-hmm. day as best I can, but there is still 99% of this client's time and energy mm-hmm. that is completely mm-hmm. And I'm going to say this because I tend to want to control things outside yeah. of my control. <laughs> and accepting that lack of control was huge in my developmental mm-hmm. process um, as a therapist and honestly as a mother. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, thank you for sharing that and the, and the difference between... Uh, you know, the the ethic, the legal and the malpractice process, but then also the internal emotional process. I think yeah. both, neither of those get really talked about. We get educated on the legal process, but we don't really talk about mm-hmm. the emotional aftermath to us mm-hmm. as clinicians. Yeah, the emotions that we still have, we're humans, right? So um, we're no stranger to pain or we're no stranger to trauma. We are humans like our clients and we have all these emotions as well. Mm-hmm. Now, BD, we always ask this question towards the end of our recordings. Um, what would you say to a clinician who is experiencing something similar? If a clinician had a client die by suicide or even just the fears that we've talked about, how it is a very real fear for us. I don't know if we want to split that in two. I'm question stacking, but what advice would you give? I think that it's super important that you have your own support system in the process. That's really what got me through on top of um, knowing that there was nothing you could have done and continue to tell yourself that. Um, and having having that support system, honestly, um, along the way, it was huge for me. My therapist, my family, my friends, the checking in um, from some of them um, and that that doesn't define you, um, that that situation was, it was bigger than me. And I needed to understand that too. It was bigger than me. Um, and it did make me a better therapist. Um, I now can say that it didn't happen to me. It happened for me. And it made me um, much more acceptable of my emotions and the lack of control of like like mm-hmm. of everything right um and closer to some family members too in huh. the process yeah I had never asked my father for a hug and when he saw me break down that day he hugged me and um cried with me oh VD, I have chills that's beautiful mm-hmm. it's a yeah. beautiful gift that came out of this yes and oh, I feel like I can exhale. Um, <laughs> it's tough. It's I tough. 
Yeah. And I just, you know, I just thank you again for sharing your story. Um, And I I implore any other therapist who want to share their difficult moments as being a therapist, please, Mm -hmm. please reach out to us, go to our website and come on the come on the show and let's share our stories with each other so that none of us have to feel alone in these big moments in our careers. Yeah, definitely. I, it's part of, I think this is part of my story. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's why I want to come forward and just normalize what therapists actually go through too. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's important that we have this space. So thank you for hosting this. Of course. Well, thank you again for being here, for bringing this to the podcast. And where can our listeners find you if they do want to connect with you, if they want to hear more about yeah. your story, see the amazing work you're doing? Where can we find you? Yes. So I'm on Instagram. Amar Therapy is my own private practice. Um, and my website as well, Amar Therapy. And I'm on TikTok as well, um, Amar Therapy. <laughs> awesome. Well, we will link all of that as always. Awesome. Thank you. Perfect. Well, thank you again for being here with us today. And that's it. The OG Bad Therapists, Allie and Catherine, are signing off for the week. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. We pick a few lucky five-star reviewers to shout out and invite for a 15-minute consultation with the both of us to talk about anything on your mind. From clinical work to podcasting, we're game. Just make sure to leave us your name and location in the review. Are you a bad therapist and want to be on the show? Go to abadtherapist.com and tell us your story. Our podcast is produced and edited by my amazing husband, Austin Joy. He also created the music for our intro and outro. You can find this song along with many others on any music platform under the artist Air for Effect. And if you're a bad therapist starting your own podcast or wanting to level up the one you already have, contact Austin for his full suite of podcast and sound production services. You can find him on Instagram at air effect. And don't forget, we're all bad therapists.